0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit wgnradio.com slash behind the badge.
1: Among the other texts, John, we're not a cesspool when talking about what Chicago is like, the fear of crime and Is parking police SUVs at various intersections a good idea? The current superintendent says it's not a good idea. It's not all that helpful. And let's face it, he's got to save some money. 773 said cops make $450 a night and they sit in the car doing nothing. Get out of the car and walk around with dogs or in pairs. 847, I like the idea of walking with dogs. Maybe they should be in the stores that are closed for the night if there is a break-in surprise, <laughs> we, we would need a million police officers and a million dogs to do something like that. 763-JOHN, the dog idea is a great solution. All right, Eric Zorn, why don't you jump into this conversation? He's the Picayune Sentinel Publisher, a weekly newsletter you can get for free. Eric Zorn at gmail.com. Just email Zorn at gmail.com pay a little money for it, and you get the premium edition with extra cool stuff. Hi, Eric Zorn. How are you?
0: Hey, John. Nice to talk to you. You know, I, this thing about cops that are just cop cars sitting there, scarecrow cars, is something you see along the interstate fairly frequently. You'll have, like, county police officers or state police officers will will just park a car with nobody in it, and motorists will see the car, and they'll slow down. And I guess it's just a speed control device. probably doesn't work for crime in the city but that must be the idea behind it right which is you just you sense police presence So maybe they should just take the cars and park them like (laughs) lights flashing and let the police officers walk around.
1: Uh, Um, Maybe not such a bad idea.
0: (laughs) But doesn't it strike you as something that where there would be some really good research on this, like that this must have been tried in various places. And they say, yeah, you know, in Sacramento, they did this for two years and crime dropped 40 percent or or something like that, something to justify. But this is a program from from previous Superintendent Brown. Right, that yeah, this is yeah, something yeah. That, that the new superintendent Snelling has decided he doesn't want to do, and I'm I'm guessing that Brown had some reason he didn't just make this up over breakfast someday, and but then I'm also guessing that Snelling had looked at the results or had looked at some other surveys or data and said this isn't the way to go. So, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not an expert in law enforcement, but it seems like this, is, this ought to be something where there's some empirical evidence either way.
1: I suppose so. I was at first going to say that it's hard to prove a negative. So if you don't have crime, how do you know that you were going to have crime? But I'm less interested in that. To me, if it's nobody committing a crime in front of the squad car or the SUV, then I think that was a good use of that vehicle. The, it seems to me overriding concern has to be. I mean, if you had unlimited resources, maybe you would do that. But he's going to pay overtime $100 million for the Democratic National Convention. The overtime budget, I, I, these numbers make no sense to me. $100 million for the DNC. I hope we get that in um, restaurants and hotels back. That's, in, that's an insane amount of money. 100 million dollars. Where did you see that?? Is that okay, uh, let me. So, uh, I, hold on, hold on, sh- I'm going to read I'm going to read again. this is uh, Tom Shuba from the Chicago Sun Crimes, but with the Democratic National Convention looming and and just 100 million dollars budgeted for overtime, managing that pool of cash will likely prove difficult. Uh, maybe he wrote it wrong or I'm, I'm interpreting it wrong, but that's what it sounds like. A
0: hundred million dollars. Well, I mean, it could be right. I am really a skeptic about this convention. I've never really liked these political conventions. I've I've gone to a couple of them as a journalist, and they are just uh, big news conferences. Essentially, There is nothing ever happens at conventions anymore. It's when when was the last time there was an interesting convention? Um, you know, you had Barack Obama's speech in two thousand was at four, I think it was, um, in Boston. And then you had uh, Ted Cruz refusing to endorse Obama in 2016, and that was kind of interesting. But
1: or Ted but, Cruz's grandstanding th- at the Republican convention that nominated Donald Trump—remember that? He walked out to right. booze.
0: Right, right. I mean, there was some, but but all these things are just big commercials for the for the major political parties, and the the networks have cut back on their coverage, understandably. I, my guess is that the number of journalists covering the event in Chicago is going to be pretty small. And I don't know how you justify, I mean, if it's going to end up costing the city, does it really help tourism in Chicago? Does it really, I mean, if it does, I mean, I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm I'm a data guy when it comes to this stuff. If we're going to have a, uh, a car race in Grant Park, if it brings money, if it's a net positive to Chicago, then fine, I don't care. And if this convention is a truly a net positive to Chicago, that's fine. I'm probably not going to watch much of it. Uh, but but if it's a drain if if people think like oh this is going to have long term beneficial effects to the city it's going to lure people here make people want a vacation here i don't buy that and I, I don't quite understand why it is that we are investing in this why we think it's such a big deal or such a good opportunity but but again i don't have access to the bottom line numbers so if you had your druthers, skeptical.
1: you would if you had your druthers, you take the republican national convention this year Let Milwaukee have the DNC and let Chicago have the RNC. Don't you think the Republican convention that that will probably attract more press? That will probably be more, uh, I'll use the word interesting, um, don't you think?
0: Well, Donald Trump is always a, a carnival sideshow, right? You never know what the guy's going to say. I mean, you know that Joe Biden is going to give an acceptance speech, and it's going to be pretty mainstream and pretty moderate and pretty boring, and that Trump is going to say something completely unhinged, and people are going write to write about it. It's going to be much more dramatic. Yeah. I, I always think that what they ought to do is, if they're going to have these conventions, they ought to flip a coin, pick a city like Chicago or Milwaukee, and then have the conventions back-to-back so that the taxpayers in these cities aren't taking this huge risk and that the uh, you know that the police overtime and all that can be consolidated and the parties can end up paying for it and you know, and you have your tv show you have that's and that's what it is for these parties it's a big it's a big pep rally and tv show there's not, nothing really gets decided. The platform committee is gone. They don't have any dramatic platform votes anymore. They certainly don't have any of these brokered conventions where you're trying to pick a candidate. I mean, none of that stuff happens anymore. So they're they're really spectacularly dull for the most part. And so I would say that the taxpayers and should not have to bear any burden for helping the parties puff themselves up.
1: Talking to Eric Zorn, publisher of the Picky and Sentinel, you. Read him for many years in the Chicago Tribune. We talked on the radio the last week or so about the plan by the city council to consider making new construction be electric rather than natural gas. We got this from a listener. I'm still whipped up about Chicago trying to demand electric appliances for new builds. Did you see the new Royal Cruise ship? How much natural gas to keep that running? The amount of waste dumped into the ocean. And I can't have a gas stove. The world is nuts. Okay.
0: Well, we we all have to do what we have to do a little bit at a time, is my my take on that. And I just don't think that it's going to be that big an inconvenience or that fast, that, that it's for new construction, I think, and for uh, additions. If you're going to be putting any things into uh, an addition of more than, like, is it a thousand square feet, maybe, or maybe bigger than that, um, that you have to – you can't run a new gas line into those. I just think that the transition is going to be really slow. Those of us who cook with gas stoves now are probably going to be able to be, continue to cook with them for the you know forever. They're not going to come into your house and make you make you
1: switch over. I wonder if people will the same way they used to steal cable run a gas line into their place bury it from the neighbor's yard and siphon off some gas or say listen give me some of your gas and i'll split the bill with you boy i sure hope folks aren't toying around with the gas lines (laughs) it's not cable but folks used to steal cable i know somebody who recently revealed they're still getting cable for free that way the company hasn't caught them but um i i'm with you i think the folks who have gas in their house have gas in their house, and they want gas in their house. Nobody's going to force a gas, uh, an electric range on you. And if you don't want to buy a new house that's electric, don't. Go buy one of the eight out of ten houses in Chicago that have gas. There'll be plenty of them. I, I'm not that worried about this.
0: Yeah, and and the, you know, the thing is that with with gas stoves and things like that, people are, are really change averse and they're really worried that the government's going to come in and and steal and and seize their stoves and and make them change their so that's that's just not going to happen if it were going to happen if it were going to be we're going to pile on an extra expense on people like you're gonna have to get rid of your six hundred dollar oven stove and then and replace it with a new one that would be you know cause for pitchforks and torches but but right now it's just like okay if we're going to build a new apartment building we're going to build a new house it's going to have to be electric uh, electric Water heaters, electric furnaces, electric rain, all, all, all this stuff. And, and from what I've read, long term, it's the way to go in terms of uh, you know, environmentally, which is we, we all need to be concerned about that. And, yeah, you've got these cruise lines and you've got people flying private jets everywhere and there are all kinds of issues with that. But you've know, you got to do what you've got to do as a, as a private citizen to help mitigate the effects of climate change. And this seems like something that's not, it's not that big an ask.
1: Are you surprised that Mayor Johnson now says we'll delay the kicking the people out of the shelters?
0: Oh, not at all. No, there was just absolutely no no surprise to me there at all. That uh, uh, I, I predicted last week that, that it was pure bluster that he was going to kick people out of those shelters, that the average temperature in Chicago on February 1st is, is like 25 degrees, and he's pushed it back um, until mid-March. Which should be pretty good. In mid March the average temperature is about 39 degrees, so I mean it's not going to be balmy when they start evicting these migrants from these city shelters, but it's going to be a lot better than than it is now. I mean they, they were they were planning. The mayor was talking about this this idea of 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 moving. I think it was something like 2,000 people out of these of these shelters, and uh, I guess it was it was 2,100 people who were supposed to exit on uh, this thursday two days from now and that was just never going to happen we did the sight of you know the city coming in and clearing them out and pushing them out onto the street uh, even though it's going to be in the mid-40s this week uh, it's still not something that we would we'd want to see and the, the mayor knew that and the mayor is totally off brand for the mayor and his soul of chicago talk to do that uh it's a it's a very, very difficult problem. I really sympathize with anyone who's trying to deal with it because you've got this influx of migrants and it has slowed down, but it's still, they're still coming to the city and there's still no place to put them. And we've got to figure that out. Uh, but we're not, we're just not, uh, you know, Chicagoans, Americans are not the kind of people who are just going to push people out onto the street.
1: I think you're right. I would hope that if nothing else, it's emblematic, isn't it, of the disconnect between the city and the state. I would hope that The governor's office and the mayor's office are having um, earnest and productive conversations behind the scenes and that the egos are put on the shelf. Imagine that. But where they would just say, all right, we screwed up. Well, yeah, we shouldn't have said that. Whatever. Just stop it and come up with some sort of concrete plan. Even that is a Band-Aid because this is a federal problem. But the city and state aren't helping each other out, Eric. Right, and and we're spending
0: literally millions of dollars on this on this problem right now. This is money that could be going into schools and parks and fixing the roads and all you know all the other kinds of things that the city needs, see badly needs, and and yet at the same time there is this there's this obligation that we have, this feeling that we have, like these are people who have desperate people who have come to our country and we have, they have sought shelter, they sought refuge, they're seeking asylum, and we're not going to see them freeze on the streets or, or live in tents. Uh, and uh, so where, where does the money come from? It should not have to come just from the people of Chicago. This well, is, 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 think uh, about it's, that it's, for it's a, a second. It's, it's a federal problem. So, so
1: yeah. it is. And the federal government isn't helping us. And Donald Trump said that I don't want a bipartisan solution right now, even though a senator from Oklahoma said I do. Think about that. So so, But just imagine for a moment, if you were one of those people who's fed up with all of this talk, and you don't want us to help those people anymore, you don't want them here, and you don't want us to help them anymore, how would you feel if in fact they were freezing out on the street? If they literally were just putting a raincoat over their head and hunkering down? You would you would be as angry at the city for not having a modicum of human compassion as you are now for having a modicum of human compassion. You know, you're not monsters out there. You're just frustrated. And yet, if you saw that, if that was what happens, you wouldn't be happy with that. You do not want that. Am I right? Sure, I'm right. Incidentally, Steve Bertrand just texted in. Thank you, Steve. He said, guys, I think the $100 million overtime is the year-long budget, not just for the convention. I'm going to read that story again. But with the Democratic, this is in the Sun-Times today. But with the Democratic National Convention looming and just $100 million budgeted for overtime... Ah, I think Steve's onto something there. Managing that pool of cash will likely prove difficult. Yeah, that makes more sense. Thank you, Steve. One of our listeners texted in Eric Zorn to say, I take it Eric Zorn's not much of a cook if he does not appreciate how much better it is to cook on gas instead of electric. And about the gas and electric appliance controversy in our city, 630 said John... The government is going to come for the gas stoves. And while they're there, they will take your guns also. Here's the problem. I don't know if that's somebody being funny or if they're really sincere. uh, Because both of those people are out there. There are people who absolutely believe that. And there are people who so don't believe that they actually think that's funny. We have both of those in place today
0: well let's look at the example of toilets remember that you have the low flush toilets that so many people hate and those were mandated how long ago 20 years ago something like that I, I, at least because I've, I've some of the construction we did around here 30 years ago I, we had to get low flush toilets and the government has yet to come into my house and demand my uh my <clears throat> my high flush toilet whatever it is the one we've got upstairs the uh, from the original house so it um uh, it'd be, there's no precedent for the government coming into your house and seizing equipment like that. But but if, if right. someone is truly paranoid about that, then what are you going to do?
1: On the lighter side, you wrote in the Picayune Sentinel, the return of John Stewart has resurfaced his rant hating on deep dish pizza. I don't have time for all of it, but if you go back to, what is this, November 2013? This is like 10 years ago, Pete. This was some time ago. Uh, On a recent episode, Stewart used the naming, uh, back then, of One World Trade Center as the new tallest building in the U.S. over Chicago's Willis Tower to launch into an epic rant on Chicago pizza. Deep dish pizza is not only not better than New York pizza, (laughs) it's not pizza. (laughs) It's a casserole. This is not pizza. This is tomato soup in a bread bowl. This is an above ground marinara swimming pool for rats. Let me tell you something about your not pizza. I want to know when I get drunk and pass out on my pizza that I'm not going to drown. When I look at your deep dish pizza, I don't know whether to eat it or throw a coin in it and make a wish. He goes on like that. So they're resurfacing that old bit because Jon Stewart's coming back on Monday nights. You had something to say about that.
0: I do. I, this is one of these tedious food debates we have in town here, just like uh, the one about ketchup on a hot dog that uh, is ultimately very, <laughs> very annoying. Deep dish pizza. I mean, I, I, the, getting all upset about the terminology is, is what kills me. If you don't, if you don't like deep dish pizza uh, uh, then fine you don't have to like everything it's just the same ingredients that pizza has in slightly different proportions it's it is kind of a casserole if you don't want to call it a pizza don't call it a pizza but it's good
1: I never thought about it that way so is his problem the use of the word pizza or does he not think that's good to eat I didn't hear him say it doesn't taste good it tastes good it doesn't look like New York or Detroit style pizza but what's your problem here? Is it the word or is it the food? I, well, that's the thing. I, if if it's the food, fine.
0: We all have our food taste. You don't like the the consistency of it, whatever. I happen to love it. I think it's really good. I don't care what you call it. I mean, it's like people saying, "Well, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, a for ta- uh, you know, it's, it's not a uh, a taco. It's a burrito, or uh, you know, it's it, it, those, those kind of ter- terminological arguments are dull. And like I say, it's it's good. And people rant about it like it's not good. Uh, And I just like I've really had it with this with this um, this debate. And uh, I want it to end. I want people who who don't like deep dish pizza to say I don't care for the consistency. I don't care for the mixture of ingredients. That's fine but it, but if you get all upset about the terminology like that's not pizza that's a stromboli or that's a what you know whatever, whatever you'd call it a casserole or a, or, a, or a lasagna with too much cheese in it or whatever you want to call it it's it's it, yeah it is a different sort of dish but who cares what you call it
1: you like know a lot of people do you're getting annoyed at him being annoyed as him owning the well not the libs but the 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 Chicagoans that's him owning the Chicagoans you can tell John Stewart for me John he can keep his floppy dough whatever frisbee (laughs) that's right well maybe that's what we need to do fight fire go you call that pizza that's a floppy dough frisbee with a little tomato squirt on it what the heck I like that
0: I like that floppy dough frisbee
1: that's what I'm going to go go
0: with that thank you Anna from
1: Chicago for That text message. Uh, One last thing from you. Um, I don't think we have time today. Maybe the Mincing Rascals will talk about two things when we record our next podcast, and that will be tomorrow. One is what's happening with the Medina Temple and also the use of police body cams. The daily podcast from the New York Times two days ago went at great length to say how badly that is being utilized in New York City and that the model for the country on police body cam use is Chicago, Hokie smokes. I don't know that the mincing rascals are all going to agree with that, but we'll talk about that on our podcast tomorrow. Um, give me your one sentence thought about Bally's Casino in River North. What's your problem with well, that?
0: Well, my my thought well, my thought is that you know revenue there is way way underneath what it's supposed to be, and that may jeopardize the construction of the of the. Uh, casino site over at the Tribune Printing Plant. And I think it may be because people are just gambling at home now. They're using their their DraftKings and their little phone apps, and they don't feel the need to go to the casino. So I I wonder if it's ever going to really happen.
1: Irving Park's majestic eagle has a name. Meet the 33rd Ward Balderman. Do you see this story from Block Club Chicago?
0: I saw the names and and that's probably the best one of their finalists. I so they, they had a little uh, a reader poll to pick one. One of them was like Chance the Flapper and stuff.
1: But... <laughs> that makes me laugh. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, I I like Balderman. That's a good one. 33rd Ward Balderman. Okay, but there's a I didn't even know we had an eagle that we were supposed to name. It's hard to keep up with all the things that I need to pay attention to like this. Yeah, it's up in uh, it's up in my neck of the woods up here, so. You have a bald eagle. Boy, if I'm a bald eagle and I can fly and live anywhere, and we've got all of these rivers and lakes, I'm not living in uh, the northwest side of Chicago.
0: Well, there's all kinds of rats in the alleys and stuff. Come on. It's like a, it's like a smorgasbord here. I was for just going
1: to say, great eagle. restaurants for an eagle. That sounds delicious. Okay. Mm-hmm. We will talk to you on the Mincing Rascals podcast tomorrow, and you can always read Eric Zorn. Mm-hmm. Just subscribe to the Picayune Sentinel by emailing him directly, Eric Zorn at gmail.com. Talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Thanks, John. See you.